thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Amazing. I love this church. I love the church. Jesus loves this church. I've got such a heart for the church. The church is the hope of the world. The church is a light. A city on a hill. It's a light of the world. It's just so beautiful. It's just so powerful. Everything that happens in church is so beautiful. Don't you love it? You know what I love so much about church is that there's so much fruit of the church. When the Holy Spirit works in our lives, there's so much of His fruit in our lives and around us. And I love the fruit because His fruit is really, really yummy. His fruit is so yummy. It is full of love. It is full of goodness. It is full of honor. It's full of generosity. It is full of all kinds of stuff. Sweetness, joy, peace, kindness, you name it. It's all in you. It's in us together. That's why I love the church. There's nothing like the church. And so we've been celebrating the church over the last five weekends because it is so important that we understand why Jesus gave the church, why he, 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 he is put this church into existence, us, and why he gave his life to the church and why it is the hope of the world. I've given my life to the church. I love, I love the church. You know, Jesus, um, he spent a lot of his time around community like that, communion like that, and, and, and tables. He, he spent a lot of time around meals, whether it's um, on the beach. We were there last year, Catherine and I in Israel, on the beach, where they had some barbecue with the, with the boys, you know, or whether it's at the wedding when he kind of, you know, put some water into wine, and, or whether it's Zacchaeus, I'm going to come and have some dinner with you at home, or whether it's the 5,000, which were actually uh, 5,000 men, was about 20,000 people that he feeds with five fish, two fish and five loaves. And whatever it is, Jesus is always spending time around meals with people because he loves community, he loves fellowship. And today we have the tables like this because we are celebrating fellowship today. I love the early church. The early church was very communal. And I love that because the early church was just this virgin church that was just established right after Pentecost, right after the Holy Spirit birthed this church. And it was such a beautiful church. And the early church was all centered around communion. Did you know this? They had meals together. They had worship together. They had teaching together. But really, everything was built around the Lord's Supper, the communion. And actually, what they, what they called that was called the love feast. And I, I love that, the love feast. And we've kind of lost it. You don't hear much of the love feast, do you? People have kind of bad connotations with that. But I think we can redeem this because the love feast is a beautiful, beautiful thing that the church celebrated throughout the ages. And we see this beautiful community of believers in Acts 2. We've done this before. I just want to quickly read this to you. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. The apostles performed many miracles. And all the believers were in fellowship as one body, one family. And they shared with each other whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts. Daily, and in one another's homes, celebrating communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. And they were continually filled with praises to God. Enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to the number daily those 
who are being saved, who are coming to life. I love this stuff. I love it. They had the love feast. So the other word for that is agape, the agape meal. Agape, of course, which you probably may know, is, 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 is love, love of God. Agape, love of God, is, is, is the love of God. So they call it the, the love of God meal, the agape meal. They would celebrate this together. The only place in the Bible that you actually find the word love feast is in Jude 12, when they talk about, hey, you at your love feast uh, do this and that's kind of negative thing there because he's telling them uh, basically that some error in what they were doing. But the thing is, though, the love feast was very normal in those days. And throughout the ages, uh, the church has celebrated the agape meal uh, together. Now, what they used to do is that the, the meal used to be like one big meal. So they would used to have just a meal, like a meal, like, you know, chicken and not today, uh, <laughs> pork. And, and whatever, not pork either, sorry. What am I doing there? I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not well yet. They're the script off the tape. Um, fish, fish, lots of fish. So they had lots of fish there to eat, you know. They would have a meal like that with fish and with wine, you know. And it was normal wine, you know. I don't drink, but it was normal wine. It's not wine without alcohol, it's just normal wine, you know. Anyway, the thing is though, uh, they would share this, and at the end of their meal, they would then share communion together, the Lord's Supper uh, together. And that, that makes sense. For, for years, I thought, why in Corinthians? Paul had to, had to tell off the, the Corinthian church, you know, for the drunkenness they had. You know, some of the guys were drunk. I said, how can you get drunk of communion? I mean, it's just like, a, I mean, how on earth do you get drunk on this, you know? I mean, how so? And, and now I, I got to get it now because what happened was they would have a normal meal and they would drink together. And, of course, at the end of it, some of them had drank too much, a little bit tipsy. And then they go into communion. And that's why in Paul, that talks about the Corinthian church, they said, no, you don't get the benefits now of the communion meal, which is so powerful, and we'll talk about it today. It's so powerful because you don't recognize what's going on because you're half drunk. That's why he was saying, well, they were not drunk because of the communion wine, they were drunk because of the meal they were having, and they were meant to have communion at the end of it. Now later, maybe because of that, uh, the church uh, separated the communion, the communion, the Lord's Supper, in the services, they put it like in the morning in, in the church like this, in the church service, they would have communion, and they would have the meals at night, like normal meals, to celebrate uh, life together. But it never used to be that way. They always used to celebrate this uh, together. Amen? Now, today we kind of do it the other way around, but the whole idea is that we do the same thing today. So we're going to have lunch after communion. It's meant to be the other way around, but it doesn't work with the way we do this morning. You know what I mean? But the whole idea is it's a package deal of communion, community, fellowship, eating, and then sharing in the Lord's Supper. Isn't that beautiful? So 1 Corinthians 11 says this, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup, saying, the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. The Lord's feast, the Lord's supper, communion, is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'll say it again because some people have some funny idea about it. It's all about Jesus. He says, do this in remembrance of me, which is Jesus, not you, right? It is not about your sin. It is not about your irritations. It's not about your problems. It's not about your issues. Now, can you bring those issues to God? Absolutely, you can. 
But it's not about that. It is a celebration of what Jesus... See, otherwise it's Old Covenant thinking. Old Covenant thinking says, you know, they have to have this annual sacrifice year after year. They've got to do this because sin can never be taken away because it can only be covered, right? Yeah. Bulls and goats cannot take the sin away from the world. Only Jesus could take the sin away. So it's always covered for another year. We see this in Hebrews 10. Yet every day priests still serve ritually offering the same sacrifices again and again. Sacrifice that can never take away sin's guilt. But when this priest Jesus had offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time. All time means all time. For all time he sat down on the throne at the right hand of God, waiting until all his whispering enemies are subdued and turn into his footstool. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. Now, this is good news. This is the message that we have when we carry outside, when we go into our cars, when we go to our work and to our marketplace, wherever we go to. This is the message that we have. The message that we have is that Jesus paid for our sin. That as far as the east is from the west, he's taken our sin away from us. This is the gospel. It is finished. We just talked about it before. It is finished. He has done it. There's no more sin in between you and God. And by one sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. You are squeaky clean. If you're a Christian... You are squeaky clean. Innocence has been restored. You are perfectly holy and righteous in your born again spirit. Amen? Amen. As he is, the Bible says, so are you in this world. You are one spirit with Jesus Christ. It is so powerful. Any idea how pure Jesus is before the Father? How does the Father see Jesus? Pretty pure. He sees you the same way. Because you've been born of incorruptible seed. You're born of the Holy Spirit. In your spirit, you are beautiful, you are perfect, you are holy, and you're righteous. Everything because of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. What he did for us. Now, this is worth celebrating. Amen? We're celebrating. Last year, we went to Israel. And uh, we were able to go to the garden tomb. We've got a picture here of the garden tomb. which is absolutely... Uh, who's been to the garden tomb uh, here? It's quite amazing, isn't it? The garden tomb. There's not a photo there inside the garden tomb. You may have never seen this before. There's people there that's inside. That's where Jesus uh, laid and then he's gone, of course. And then there's actually even a a thing there on the the door uh, there uh, on the other side that says, He is not here. He is uh, is risen. This is one of the most popular places, of course, uh, for Christians uh, and for many, actually, in the the earth. And it's um, it's the only place in the world where millions go every year to see what is not there. I, I, love, that, I, love, that, I love that about, I love that about the, the tomb. It's the only place in the world that you go to see what is not there. Like, you know, whatever. You know, what, what I like so much about the tomb is not so much that we can see uh, where Jesus was and then rose when he got, you know, rose again. And the stone is, by the way, gone. They used to have this massive uh, stone, that, obviously, uh, that was rolled there. And that uh, well, is gone. But you can still see the trail of where the stone used to be. They got a little marker of how big it was. It was a massive stone that was, of course, in the front uh, with the angels and all the story um, of, of uh, Easter. Um, but what I like so much about the tomb it's not so much that only that Jesus rose from the grave. What I like so much when I visited that tomb, that I actually I visited my tomb. See, it was actually my tomb too. It was not just Jesus' tomb. 
See, because we have been co-co-crucified. We are co-crucified with Christ. We were co-buried with Him. We were co-raised with Him. And now we are seated with Him in heavenly places. What happened to Him on that day 2,000 years ago happened to us. It was also my tomb. So I love going there. I love going and I hope all of us can go one time to check out your tomb. Your tomb. It's very, very powerful. At the Last Supper with His disciples, Jesus said, um, He says, I will not drink from this cup, this vine, until I am with you um, uh, in the kingdom. And the thing is, though, we think it's some kind of millennial thing far away, you know, like that. But it wasn't. It was right there when He rose from the dead. He's right here, drinking with us. He is here by His Holy Spirit around our table. He's serving us. He's around us. He's with us. Jesus is celebrating communion here with us all together. He is our host. The love feast. It's so beautiful. The agape meal. There's nothing like it. Jesus broke the bread. And we'll do it in a minute. He broke the bread and said, take, eat. Do this in remembrance. There's my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And take the cup. The cup is beautiful. The cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to do that in a minute. But I want to say something about this before we do. These elements are not your symbols. I don't eat symbols. Serious. The Protestant church has made communion in, into symbols. It's just symbolic of what happened to us. It's on the one side. Now the Catholic church go the other way. They go to the other side and they re-crucify Christ every Sunday, every Mass. Transubstitution. I never get that word. Transubstantiation. That's why I knew that. They crucified Christ every Sunday. Now the thing is though, they're both wrong. Somewhere the truth is in the middle. Because there's actually substance to this. There's substance to the body and the blood of Christ. In the same way that faith is substance. You can't see faith. But faith activates the, the supernatural, right? By faith, things happen. In the same way with this, when we take this, something happens. Well, what is it? Well, it can be yummy bread, but that's just natural. Something happens that is supernatural. It is substance. We celebrate substance when we celebrate communion. communion. It's a supernatural exchange happens. That's why I take it every morning. Every morning. Because I know what happens, the beautiful exchange that happens. So beautiful. Verse 26, I'm almost done. Maybe the band can come up. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now I know about you. But for years, I also thought about, well, why is the Lord's death? I love the resurrection. Why about the death? Why is it talking about the death of the Lord? 
Now, of course, if we understand it, we did a series on there earlier in the year, is of course uh, a covenant gets cut through blood, right? When Jesus died, when he bled, that's the time when the new covenant was activated. And that's why it says here that we proclaim his blood, we proclaim his death. Because when he died, the new covenant was put into place, into activation. And so we proclaim his death over our lives, which has given us life. His death has brought us life. The wonderful exchange. By his stripes, we were healed. There's this beautiful exchange going on. And he, so that's why it's so important that we proclaim his name over our lives like we did uh, earlier on. There's such a powerful exchange that happens. I would like you to get a higher value for communion. It is not just a memory. It is not just a lovely little thing we do to commemorate what happened to Jesus and what happened to our lives. There's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the bread of Jesus. There's actual exchange happens when you take it. Serious? And I want you all to get a great vision for this. It's very powerful. Let's stand together. It's powerful. And we're going to take it in a minute. We're going to share around the table. We're going to share together. We're going to pray people who are sick because there's an exchange that happens when we take it. And we see this in Corinthians. I'll teach on it one time again. People were sick because they were not actually by faith taking what it provided for them. People actually were sick. But the other way is true too. You actually get healthy when you eat this stuff. You get healthy. Amen? I want to finish with Colossians. It's the gospel. I want to read this. Actually, I like to read it together. And we got more excited till we get to the end. It's the Colossians 2, 6 to 15. I like to read this as a, as a prayer, as a declaration of what Christ has done for us, what Christ done in us as we go into community, communion in a moment, right? Let's do this together. So then, you got it? So then. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Are you still with me? Do it again. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. See, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross.